What is up, guys? Welcome to the Reborn Podcast. I have a very special guest on today. I think he was trying to avoid the podcast for a little bit, but I <laughs> wrangled him in here. Um, we he made is, it happen. He is here with me at American Brew. This is, a lot of people know you as Pastor T. Yes. And true. he is the pastor you guys see me post about my church. Um, I actually have to tell you, yes. so we'll talk about my background mm-hmm. with I'd my faith. Yeah. So I grew up in the middle of Oklahoma. Mm. I grew up in a church of Christ. Okay. So we did a lot of uh, like acapella singing. Oh, wow. It was very beautiful. I didn't know that about you. That's cool. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, some say like Oklahoma is like the Bible belt, you know? There's a lot of churches, a lot to choose from out of Oklahoma. (laughs) A lot lot of churches and yeah, there's, it it, were known for, that's what I knew my whole life. Wednesday, Sunday morning, Sunday night. Um, Was it a smaller church? Pretty tiny? It was pretty small. It was, it was... It was a medium-sized church. I got you. Yeah. Yeah. So it was, but we had to drive like 30 or 45 minutes to go to church. <laughs> so a lot of gas money yeah. at the time yeah. went to us getting to church because we actually That's lived fun. so far out in the country. Um, and then uh, growing up, um, my father baptized me when I went to church camp. I love that. And so that was like a really special moment for was me. Was it at a river or lake or somewhere? Do you remember where? It, it was in, It was in a pool. Oh, in a pool. Yeah. Nice. nice. Yeah. Yeah. So um, that, that's basically been my, that's cool. my background with like faith. And whenever I came out that's here, sweet. you know, I started getting, building my platform. Mm-hmm. Obviously, there's a lot of pressure that comes with that. Sure. Um, and I found a church out here and mm-hmm. I really started realizing that I was just going through the motions. Oh, I like you. I didn't really have a connection with my church. It's easy to do. It wasn't, it's not that it was a bad church, yeah. but it just didn't connect with me. Mm. Um, the message didn't connect with me. So ever Got since you. finding your church, yes. uh, a sit church with pastor T, uh, I want to say we've been going there for now about six months. What's you don't know this, but in a way, in a lot of ways, the church kind of started here. I don't know if you know this. I didn't. So I wanted to, I wanted, when that's what we, I want to ask you. Like, when how we did you, moved here, we okay. moved, we sold, we quit our jobs. My wife and I quit our jobs, sold our house. How took long the ago equity. was this? This is in 2016. Okay. Took everything. We had one kid at the time, moved in with my parents, and I love my parents to death, but that's not a, you don't want to, you, you don't want to do go that. that direction when, when you have a kid. And then we literally just moved here, rented a house, and didn't have an office, didn't have a place, literally just said, where can we work from? And mm-hmm. I worked out of here all the time. Oh, you mean American, American Brew? American Brew, literally downstairs. I hired my no creative way. director literally in that seat. And every time we come here, we joke about it. He's like, that's where I got hired. Literally right there. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And I mean- So what 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 drove you to come here? Like, I guess- That's a great question. Literally <laughs> yeah, to come here to Virginia we, Beach. We were in Newport News. Okay. And we were at a church. It was great. Felt called to leave. Felt called to kind of lead and kind of start our own thing. Um, we really looked where the need was, and mm-hmm. we love this area. We love the military community. Mm-hmm. We love that it's such a unique situation. So many people literally move here. They don't know anybody. Um, this week, for example, met this great young girl. She Husband's on the ship. They just moved here. He's gone. She has no friends, no family, literally lives across the street. I think she walked over or rode her bike. She's like, yeah. I need friends. And it's so cool to be able to instantly meet that need, come along beside them, give them a home, a community. It's such a cool thing. So there's a lot of reasons, but the military is a huge one to be so, able to give them a home away from home. Before you became mm-hmm. pa- Pastor T, as everybody <laughs> knows you. Um, and what is your Instagram? Uh, ThomasLane.VA. ThomasLane.VA, because there was a, the, oh, did you yes. get that taken care of? I think he's still out there. There's have, a charlatan. There, yeah, there's, there's a fake. There's a fake. <laughs> there's around. a fake Pastor T, guys. It's not the real Pastor T. It's pretty T. crazy. But it is. They can't ask for money and stuff, so just always be. You know, it's, it's crazy. It's part of the social media. I'm trying world. to get the it's blue so check. It's, <laughs> yeah, I'm not cool enough yet. Maybe you could give me some pointers. Yeah, I don't. Mine just appeared one day. I Did have it really? No, yeah, I okay. don't. It just appeared. I don't know if it was, you know, I. it just literally just appeared on all my. We're all joking. My we're cool enough to get scammed, but not cool enough for a blue check. Yeah, so yeah. That's the hope. Right. Exactly. Yeah, the fake has an underscore in it. And um, yeah, it's just pretty crazy. Yeah. Just following people, saying weird stuff and asking for money. So no, we're not, I would never, I would never do that. So if you weren't Pastor T, as I know you and everybody, a lot of people in the community here know you, yeah. like what were, what would you be doing? What job did you and your wife have before question. you came here? Um, my plan was to be a doctor. I love helping people, serving people. I went to college pre-med there about a month and realized I had a calling and wanted to do something else. And I realized I could fight it or just throw in the towel. So quit. Changed, changed to study psychology, leadership, 
religion and then started that path. Mm. And here we are. I would probably be a doctor or an entrepreneur. I love starting things. Mm -hmm. It's kind of how I'm built. You Mm -hmm. know about that, Mm -hmm. all about Mm -hmm. it. Mm -hmm. So that gets me excited. So Mm -hmm. starting something from scratch that helps people is what I love. So Mm -hmm. church planting was, that that was for us. I feel like we were kind of made to do it. So being a doctor and being a pastor, you know, it's kind of interesting. Yeah. For first of all, a couple things: being being a doctor, yeah. being a doctor, and being a pastor are two completely different things. Mm-hmm. So, but in the same sense, there's a lot of similarities because yeah. you're saving people. Mm. But the money is completely different. It's a very different lifestyle. Where, it's a bit hard. <laughs> how did you? How did? What was it? Was that a driving factor? Like, were you like, "Dang, I'm going to make so much more money"? Because <sighs> yeah. as a man, there is yeah. a lot of pressure on you to be able to set yourself up and your family first success. But did, was that ever a thing for you? Yes. To be like, should mm-hmm. I go? I'm passionate about this. I can do this. Yeah. Like with being a doctor. Yes, God has had to teach me a lot of humility. Mm-hmm. I don't like asking for help. I don't. Like, I mean, I literally. Pay, like pay my mortgage, feed my family based on other people's generosity. Yeah. And that's a hard for a dude who likes to, you know, be a self-starter and be a, like, you know, go get it. It's really hard to literally be, God just had to humble me because that, that was a tough pill to swallow. Some people would say it would take a lot of faith. I, well, I, I appreciate <laughs> to take that. that jump. I appreciate it. But no, it's, that that's definitely hard. And when you sit back and realize, and God time and time again has, has showed up. Um, to, to really take care of us and provide for us. So we're just super thankful for that. I've grown more probably with that than any other thing. Um, really putting yourself out there and really with the mentality is mm. if he doesn't show up, we're literally going to crash and burn. Mm. We, we, there's no plan B. We literally moved here. I mean, we didn't have a salary. We didn't have, we didn't have health insurance. We're literally here, found a house. We didn't have a place to put the church. Mm-hmm. We didn't have a school that would let us in to kind of start out mm-hmm. of. Mm-hmm. It's literally just like, hey God, we feel like you're, and we're not mm-hmm. even certain. People say, how did you know? I, I didn't know. We, we felt led to, but um, just really, God, feel like we felt like he was opening a door and he's just provided every step of the way. Mm. It's a really cool story that I think will encourage a lot of people. So that's what I'm thinking. But why, why, like, what was it that made you feel called to, to be a pastor? That's a great question. I mean, like, because I think somebody can also feel like that you're called to, to help people in the mm. medical field. Yes. Like, how can you mm. different, like, I, and this is like a big thing too. Yeah. Like, you know, people are like, I don't know like which way to go. And they really struggle mm. with, with, with the decisions. Like, you know, you go one way, your whole life changes. Yeah. You take a slight left turn, mm-hmm. like just slightly different. And yeah. your whole path is, is different. It is. But I, I think like, I mean, this is like, this is a, a, a big question within itself, but yeah. how do you know? Mm-hmm. How did you know that 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 you were called? And you said that you were uncertain, but there has there had to have been a big part of you that were like, this is, this is what we're going to do. That I think there's some sense, I think, and I'm, I'm, I feel like I'm bragging, I'm not trying to brag, that there's some sense in which if you see a need and you know you can add value or help that no one else is addressing, I think a leader, you just have to step up and do it. There's something inside you where you think, I, I just have to. These people are struggling, or I, I could add value, I could help. Not to say I'm perfect, not to say that I don't feel like I'm special at all, but seeing that need, there's one place Jesus is sending, he, he's raising up the disciples and sending them out. And he basically says, that there's no shortage of harvest. There's a shortage of people to send into the harvest. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, basically, the harvest is plentiful, the laborers are few. Pray to the Lord of the harvest to send people out and to basically to work the field. The idea is there's no shortage of ways to help people, but it's just something inside you where you feel like I could make a difference and I'm called to this. I had a mentor once say, basically don't do ministry unless you feel like it. you absolutely have to. Everyone I believe has a gift, has a calling, but very few people are called to full-time ministry. Yeah. You have a calling, you have a gift, and you're using it to impact and help a lot of people. And that's everyone. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I think the idea of, oh, well, pastors are doing God's work. No, like we're all doing God's work. Mm-hmm. As parents, as business leaders, mm-hmm. um, influencing people, whatever it is, we're all doing God's work in the way he's gifted us to do it. So I think it's just about saying yes mm-hmm. based on, hey, how am I built and how could I most impact people? I think that's what faith is about. Saying yes to him, saying yes, I'll do what you've called me to do. I think it's interesting that, that you moved here 
I mean, did you have any plan in place or was it just kind of like, we're just going to kind of wing it, get out here. These are the first steps. We prayed about it and yeah. we're with this group called ARC, the Association of Related Churches. So they, they train you. Yeah. And so like, you, they don't just throw you out. They train you and you prayed about it. I mean, we looked at Rich and we look here, but I, you really, you don't really know the city until yeah. you moved here. So right. we visited. But once we're here, then you start to say, okay, a church would be fit good in this neighborhood. Yeah. Or there's not one here or okay. We knew there was a lot of military here, but mm -hmm. they're everywhere. And there's a huge need for these young families mm -hmm. to connect, not connect over eight months. Some of them are here a year or two, but like day one connect. And we felt that need and we just went for it. Mm -hmm. So a lot of it, I don't think you know until you quote have, you know, the boots on the ground, so to speak, to be able to make an impact. So the, the church seems to be growing like pretty quickly, like really fast. It's grown it a lot. It keeps getting busier and busier <laughs> and, and more packed. I, I just want to back up a little bit. And yeah. what was the first step that you mm. were like, where did you guys start having church out of? Mm. So we, so you started here at American Brewery. You're having meetings, trying to <laughs> yeah. build your team, but you didn't move. The, the facility that we have right now, the church that we're in right now, it's yeah. a big facility. It's and I feel like mm -hmm. you're going to probably grow out, grow out of that pretty we, pretty soon. Yeah, we've already had to expand the yes. kids' environment three times. Awesome. Um, we've had to add a service. We, we've actually had to add two services. So, yeah, we're um, it's pretty, pretty bananas, and we're not taking credit for it. We're just super thankful for what yeah. God's doing. We started, the, the model is you start by having what you call interest meetings in your house. So literally you blast on Facebook, you blast on Instagram. We're starting a church, like this is our heart, this is what we're trying to do. And then random people just show up and you tell them who you are. It kind of sounds crazy. This is what we're doing. And then you kind of build up a team. Um, we probably had 80 to 100 people who said we want to help. That was probably about 40 or 50 who actually were there and committed. Right. Mm -hmm. But when you start, we started at a middle school. So we literally had a trailer full of all this equipment, like a 20-foot trailer with the lights, the sound, the kids' stuff, the cameras, everything. And every Sunday, we'd roll up at like six, unload it all, do church in the middle school, yeah. pack it up, and head home. So it's not light work, you know what I mean? It's yeah. not just showing up and handing someone a dough night. It's a lot of yeah. work, and um, but you definitely get people who are committed. So that's how it started. Yeah. We did a few practice runs, and then September 2017, we— um, we started, hit the ground running, and so, it's been a wild ride. How, how many people, when you started in 2016, do you still have some of the same people that are still with you? You lose, which is actually hard, and mentors teach you this because it's a hard, oh, tough oh, I to know pill about swallow. This, we, really? They say you're going to lose about 80% in a year. They say at least. And I'm like, no. You know, I think yeah. my prize like not me, oh. but it's eighty oh, or you ninety. Mean, you're talking about like members, oh, yeah. members coming. I was, I was come talking about help. staff, but that's oh, interesting them, too. Staff too, uh, everyone. Yeah. You know, I think there's a certain group who comes to help, and then maybe it's not what they expected, or they just move on. How, how does that make you feel though, when people come to church and then all of a sudden like they leave? And do you allow that to get into? I don't want to say ego because that can take in, be taken negatively, but yeah. it is everybody that is a thing. But like, does that? Um, I mean, do you have like, uh, do you ever have what's it called? Like, um, um, where you have a hard time identifying with like your actual profession? Yes. What I forget that there's an actual name for I that. It's, mean, um, yeah. it's, it's where you, you don't feel like that you are adequate enough to, mm. to share your message. Sure. Did you, do you ever feel that way? Oh yeah. All the time. All the time. Oh yeah. Sometimes I feel like a phony. That's what it's called. Yeah. A phony. I've, if you're I've, a I'm like, yeah. I, yeah, I definitely do. Uh -huh. Especially with the lights are on and the cameras rolling and, you know, especially with all the growth and new people. Um, it, it's it's hard when people leave. It's hard. It's hard to not take it personal and to, because those are friends. You know what I mean? Some some people are friends, family, you know, yeah. people you do life with. One day they're like, we're leaving. So, so I've probably do, put do up ever... too many walls as a oh. result of that. Mm -hmm. I think I've become a little hardened and yeah. probably I'm way more friend to probably, I'm way more slow to probably call someone a friend and I'm probably way more slow. That's something I'm, I feel like God's working on me now with. I think I've put up a lot of walls and I think I'm less trusting than I was because mm -hmm. I had been burned. So that's something I'm working through. I'm going to give you some advice. Please, coach okay? me. Okay. Hit me up. The world will make you hard. Yeah. Your experiences and the hard things that you have to go through growing yeah. your team, mm -hmm. especially when you know you are so passionate and you are, you are, you are called mm -hmm. to do this. Mm -hmm. The world will make you hard yeah. if you allow it. And yeah. it is really, really difficult mm. to continue to have that soft heart yeah. and allow people into your life. I, yep, walking and, through that now. And, and it, it's like, it's almost like, it. it's not like it happens overnight. Mm -mm. It, it's something that 
happens very slowly and over time. And then you realize, which absolutely, like, you know, a lot of my mistakes, Mm -hmm. a lot of my mistakes that I made early on were because I was way too trusting. And I was way too, I was way too like, yeah, sure. Like you can drive my car, (laughs) you know, you can like, here's like, you know, and I was, I was, but I have always, Mm -hmm. I have always actually really struggled with that. It's hard. Because I have such a giving heart and wanting to give But then how do you deal with the people who take advantage of you? That's something I'm learning. Do you continue to give? I, what I've done lately is I've basically compartmentalized a lot mm-hmm. of like friends are friends, ministries, ministry, and that, or, or for, for most people listening, I'd say friends are friends, work is work. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's been hard. And I've had, it is hard I've to do because the people you work with are your friends. Oh yeah. I, mean, so I see them all the like, time. I oh, see them yeah. as much as I see my family. Right. I mean, I've literally had people, I've been at dinner with people who, you know, look you in the eye and they say, we're well, friends. We got your back. We'll support you no matter what. We're here at this church to stay. And then six months they're talking about you on Facebook mm-hmm. and you call them and you're like, Hey, I thought, like, I thought we were yeah. Like for, friends don't, mm-hmm. friends don't do that. If you're mad at me, talk, like, give me right. a call, yeah, but you, call you have my number. Why are you, mm-hmm. that, that's been hard. So what I've done is I think I've definitely become a localist and stepped back. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think long-term that could be pretty detrimental. So that's something I'm working through it personally. Really hard. Yes. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I, I had a really hard time and I'm sure other people listening, um, you know, it, it's funny because like, I always had this thing. I'm like, people are so nice to you at church mm-hmm. and then if you saw them out in public, it's like, they're a completely different person, <laughs> yeah. you know? And I was like, I, and that was when I was with my, my older church community. And yeah. I was like, I didn't want to be, I needed something that was just more consistent yeah. so that, that it was real and yeah. that, you know, the people were real and, mm-hmm. and not to say that like, you know, that the other church community wasn't, it just, um, I had a really hard time mm-hmm. on, on my journey of, of wanting to continue on my faith and my journey yeah. um, with God. Mm-hmm. And then these people who are supposed to be your friends. Oh, it's awful. The hardest thing about faith is Christians. Because and I'm not trying to be rude, but like that they really are the is. single most, mm-hmm. and I'm not, I'm not perfect by any stretch of the imagination, but I, the to, trying to get someone to church, the, the number one thing that keeps people out of church yeah. is a bad experience they had with a Christian yes. or a pastor or, or yeah. someone else yeah. who was supposed to be their friend yeah. or they were at their weakest moment or they made the biggest mistake of their life. And when they needed the church to pick them up and yeah. say, we're with you, we're going to walk through you, the church shunned them huh. or gossiped about them. Right. And so I don't blame these people who don't want right. to come back. And if we talk about this, I'll say, who's been hurt by a Christian or who's been gossiped about or who's been, who's, who knows a hypocrite? Every hand is up. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if everyone agrees on anything ever, but right. everyone could say, yes, yeah. that's happened to me. So that's something we, I think we have to really fight to overcome in my world mm-hmm. is, create a, is to create a real authentic place where people you know, can admit a mistake. And Christians should be people who you can open up to and say, I screwed up and you should be met with grace and mercy and not a a look, you know what I mean? Especially not gossip. Mm -hmm. So that's really hard, but that's something the church here, not in Virginia beach, but in America, I think really needs to work on because it's really hurting uh, a lot of people. It's heartbreaking. So sitting next to me here, you guys know that I have pastor T, but what you don't know is I have a buff pastor T. (laughs) So, that means a lot coming from you. Thank you. <laughs> I want to talk about your gym routine a little bit. Oh, and come on. Because uh, I want to talk about a couple things. Mm-hmm. Like your line of work is extremely stressful. You yes. have a lot on your shoulders, but you know, this was kind of what mm-hmm. you so- signed up for it is, to yeah. help people, to save people, <laughs> to bring them closer to God. Mm-hmm. But it's a lot. And it's not just for strangers and people mm-hmm. that you don't know. It's for people that you work with, mm-hmm. but it's also for your family. Yeah. So I want to talk about how has fitness mm-hmm. been crucial in mm-hmm. your life and your line of work, when people are always wanting from you, yeah. what does fitness do for you? Fitness keeps for me sane. Pa- for this buff pastor. It keeps me absolutely sane. I don't understand. And I'm not trying to come at anybody, but like people always ask me, how do you get motivated? I, I hate not lifting. Yeah. When I have to miss, it stresses me yeah. out. We're planning a vacation. And one of my first things jumped in my head is, well, where's my, where, where am yeah, I going to work out? <laughs> what, what, how am I going to get the equipment there? Like, what am I going to do? Or like, what am I going to, like, it's one of the first things, yeah. but no, it's my stress reliever. I, I, you just feel good. You feel confident. There's nothing like a good workout, a good pump. 
Um, I just absolutely love it. And I think it helps me from a practice. This isn't why I lift, but from a practical level, I think it helps me connect with a lot of men, a lot of women who are into fitness. Uh-huh. A lot of people don't expect that from church, yeah. but being able to say, really being able to set the tone. And I'm not a guru by any stretch of the imagination, but I think being able to say, Hey, as men and women, we have one body, we have one shot and you know, Let's take one it opportunity. Yeah. <laughs> we have one shot, one opportunity. Yeah. I don't know. What's the next line? I forget, but I know exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> Somebody's finishing it for yeah. us right now. Um, so what, what is your, what it like, are you training like five days a week? Like, what does that look like for I you? I do six. Okay. I try to get up. G- give me an baby, idea of like what your schedule. Yeah. Cause they, how many kids do you have? We have three, three six, kids. four and uh eight month old. An eight month old. So if the kids were grown, I'd get up at five, five 30, uh-huh. lift for an hour. Sorry. Quiet time first. I love coffee, quiet time, yep. which is basically centering yourself, reading the Bible, praying, just kind of like reflecting on God's word and starting your day. And then I like to lift. And when I lift, I love a podcast. I love a sermon. I'm super nerdy. You I'll do a book. To a I do. Yeah. Okay. Someone from church ran into me. And they're like, what are you listening to? Yeah. And like, it was, it's this Presbyterian minister who's probably 70. Uh-huh. They're like, oh, what is your, what is your hype music? Yeah. And it's literally, most people would fall asleep to it, yeah. but I'm a You're super like, nerd. Yeah. I'm literally like getting it, uh-huh. listening to this. So uh-huh. it doesn't quite fit, but I'm, I'm kind of weird well, in and that then, regard. And then you have a podcast. Because I do. you guys can listen to the podcast mm-hmm. and the YouTube yeah. online. What is the podcast? Uh, Ascent Church. Ascent Church, A-S-C-E-N-T Church. And I believe it's the same thing for the online, right? Yeah. The live, yeah. Because I sometimes when I don't make it to church, which I, I love being at church, but whenever we can't, sometimes we, can. we, we watch it. We watch it online. Yeah, it's all there. Um, so do you have a favorite lift? I'm going to guess. Mm, I, go I'm going to I'm gonna say that you love, your favorite lift Come is- on. Come on. Bench day. It is. Yeah, How'd I knew you know? it. Because you got a great upper body. There you go. You're stacked. You look great. And we did the bench press competition on Father's Day. Oh, you did? We did. That's we awesome. had a 135-pound challenge nice. for the men. I got fourth. Was was this a I church was, activity? Yeah, we threw we Where had a grill. Was I? We had a grill. I was gone. And we had the bench press. All right, everybody and we is lucky everybody. that I was not at yeah, church. Yeah, we're serious. <laughs> well, everyone had ideas because then everyone's like, why isn't there a squat rack? Why don't why can't we deadlift? So I think. And the women were upset. They hey, were like, why didn't you have this? you let me know I have equipment that I yeah, can yeah. donate to this. This the needs women, to happen next year. The girls were like, why didn't you have this on Mother's Day? And I, I was like, So oh. was this just a dad thing? It was, but okay. I don't know if it needs to be from now on. People were excited about it. <laughs> yeah. But the record, uh, some guy did 58 reps. Yeah, nice. He put it, it was impressive. That is impressive. But we impressive. had food and that, and um, a lot of the guys competed, which yeah. I was excited about. Awesome. I thought people would be a little shy, uh-huh. but- it felt like high school almost, or like a really good gym yeah. where everyone, like everyone, would, someone would get on there. People are yelling and cheering. It doesn't feel like most churches, but I, that's what I like. Well, this is what I this is what I love about Ascent Church is because again, like the 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 religion and the faith that you guys have, whatever road or journey that looks like, you guys can do this while having a bench press competition. <laughs> you know fun. what I mean? It's like it doesn't, you know, it doesn't have to be like you can get fed like the positivity and and be around people who are going to continue to uplift you and it doesn't have to just be praising god it can Mm -hmm. be like while you're praising god it can be during um you know athletic was this at the church where was this right out front so literally the front doors we had a little whiteboard with like the records and you had to write if you were going to compete you had to write your number uh it was awesome i would have i would have loved to see i'll I'll chat with you about it i think we're gonna we need Oh yeah, we dude! I would deadlift. totally get in, yeah, get yeah, on yeah. board, leading leading the girls. Yeah. I, I, there's some strong girls in charge. I've seen some. Butt I have chicks. never seen <laughs> as many fit like people other, outside the gym, yeah. other than at the church, which is cool. Okay. Everyone's ready to go. So I, I want to kind of uh, uh, go a different direction here, mm-hmm. and I want to talk about um, I want to talk about keeping the constant faith that you have had because. Okay. Eight months ago, your newborn yes. daughter, a lot of unexpected things happened. Mm, yes, and I don't know you that well, but I'm open. I had, any questions? Any were I had we're to? Open to if talk I about. had to have guessed, your faith was rocked pretty well. It was. Or was it? So can you can you tell the listeners? <sighs> um, you had what's your baby girl's name? Eva Joy. Eva, Eva Joy. She and Eva means life, and Joy mm-hmm. obviously means joy. Was she? Did she already have her name before she was born? She did. And it was it Eva. And it was. And you know the fact that her name was means life and mm-hmm. joy, and the mm-hmm. fact that she literally fought for her life mm-hmm. for 
She was in the uh, NICU, which is the neonatal intensive care unit, NICU NICU, for 38 days. Mm-hmm. From day one for 38 days. Um, where, do you want me, where do you want me to start? Start at the beginning? Yeah. So if you need to interject, feel free to, okay. I'll ramble. Okay. So you got to stop me. Why <laughs> I'm not? used to having a timer. No. <laughs> Countdown. Like really yeah. big yeah. Time is and up, I'm like, Pastor T. I'm like, oh gosh. But when it hits zero, it just keeps going. So oh. <laughs> it's kind of like a guideline. It's not really, yeah. uh, it doesn't, nothing stops when <laughs> yes, I hit the exactly. time. Um, so we did, my wife is in the uh, natural birth. Mm-hmm. It's kind of her thing. It's awesome. She's way tougher than me. We did a home birth. So, and that was a plan. It wasn't like, oh, we can't make it to the hospital. We had the, the tub at home and the doulas and the midwives, everyone's at home and great birth. Um, she was maybe two days late. She was full term, beautiful baby girl. You know, if you have any kids, you understand they do all the tests about her coloring and her breathing. She's healthy, beautiful. Everything's great. And this was at home. This was at home. So everything's great. The nurses, all the, all the ladies who helped us, thumbs up. Everyone leaves. It's just us, the family. We introduce her to the boys. It's just, it's literally what you want. Mm. It's perfect. And we're at home. Because mm. that was a big thing. We were like, you know, you have a kid at the hospital and you're like, oh, you got to, you just wait for them to let you go. And yeah. you're like, come on, you just want to be home. Mm-hmm. So we're in bed with our baby. Everything's perfect. A few hours in, you know, babies are all these different colors. She's She was kind of purplish. And my wife is concerned and she has that instinct and she's like, I think something's wrong. And I'm a dad and stubborn. And I was like, oh, she's just cold. And we laugh about this now. I'm like, she's fine. She's just cold. Let's get her blanket. We put a blanket on her. She keeps getting purple. And I'm like, well, maybe it's something about newborns. I never noticed. We put a blanket on her. And, and this then she is number starts, three. Mm-hmm. And mama, it's just amazing, the instinct. She knows something's wrong. Mm-hmm. She knows, like she's never, she's not overreactive like type of person. She knows something's wrong. Put on the blankets. Um, then she starts to kind of struggle to breathe. Not my wife, my daughter. She's six hours old. She's kind of <laughs> kind of like gasping for breath. And so we start to, the panic buttons start to kind of go off. We call the, uh, the midwives, the doulas, and they're like, if you have that feeling, call the ambulance. We're on our way back. Mm-hmm. Helen, my wife, said, call the ambulance. Mm-hmm. Call them. Um, literally a nightmare. There's no other word. Um, my sons are there. They're like, what's going on? I basically, I sat them both down. I said, your daughter, sorry, your sister's sick. I need you to pray for her. Mommy and daddy have to leave. We leave them with the grandparents. Ambulance pulls up. How old are your your other two? Six and four. They don't really Um, understand. They have no idea what's going on. So ambulance comes. I carry outside, literally through the front yard. By chance, a friend was passing through our neighborhood and saw us, saw the ambulance, stopped the car, got out of the car. And I'll never forget she got out of the car in the middle of the street and she yelled, is everything okay? Fire truck, ambulance, all is chaos. And I'm holding my daughter who really can't breathe at all. And I was able to look at my friend, honest to God, and say, it's going to be. Mm. That's where my faith comes in. Mm. My plan, and I would love, she's fine. We bring her home. Everything's good. Mm-hmm. Great. Oh, she swallowed some of the fluid. Mm-hmm. She's fine. Great, they vacuumed out great. More and more, we realized she was not okay. Mm. The faces of the doctors, I work with people, the face of the doctors were not, you know, patch on the back. Oh, Mr. Lane, you're overreacting. Mm-hmm. They were uh, panic. Yeah. Um, at the hospital we went to, all the nurses there, they had never seen this diagnosis before. Because in my mind, you're like, okay, it's just a cold or it's just right. a- Or fluid stock. We yeah. just need to turn her over. Yeah, just suck it out or pat. And yeah. they're like, you're overreacting. And every step of the way that, you know, they, they give you a fork in the road. Well, it could be the fluid or it could be this other thing. And every time there was a good option or a bad option, it just kept being the bad option. Mm. And I'll never forget, at one point they came in, they tried to do this, they tried to do all these different procedures- and she kept getting worse. She couldn't breathe. She's literally gasping for breath. What was the timeline from this? From the moment oh, that you guys called the, the ambulance to like so getting her to the hospital? So we probably called it maybe 6 p.m. Yeah. And by 8 p.m., they said, we're going to run some tests, some blood work and check. But in the meantime, we're going to get her some oxygen. You've seen, I think it's called a nose cannula. Yeah. You know, they give you a little air. They give her that. Her oxygen kept dropping. Then they gave her a stronger one. Her oxygen kept dropping. And basically, eventually, they said, we, we think we might need a ventilator. They put on a ventilator. Kept dropping. 
and you could kind of see their panic of. What was your response to all this? Did you did you want to like were, were you screaming at the doctors to do more to act quickly to, you know, because it's almost yeah. like you're you're so helpless as a father. You're yeah. not a doctor. No. Nope. You're not a nurse. No. You're the father, and 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 we haven't even mm-hmm. talked about your wife. A friend of mine explained it like this. He's on the teams, and he's someone I called. He said, "You call me if you need to talk." I called him probably three in the morning. I knew he was asleep, but I knew he, I knew he meant that. Mm-hmm. And he said, later as he and I processed it, he said, there's a time in which, and I've, I've never been in combat, but he's, he, he said it's almost easier in combat because you know exactly what choice you need to make in that instant. Mm-hmm. And the blood's pumping, the adrenaline's pumping, and you just go, go, go. Mm-hmm. I was like that. Mm-hmm. I didn't have time to feel. I was just mm-hmm. kind of numb, trying to be strong for my wife, trying yeah. to keep everyone calm. Throughout the night, as she kept declining and her oxygen levels were tanking and everything, everything they kept trying wasn't working. When I called my friend at 3 or 4 a.m., that was the time it hit me. Mm. Helen needed to sleep. They tried, They were trying some new procedure. So you guys went all the way, just pumping, pumping, pumping. Yeah, like, and then all of a sudden at 3 or 4, that's when you guys, or for you, you were like, okay. Helen, they have a little room you can like take a nap in or sleep. So there's a bed there. So Helen was asleep. And I said, I'm just going to get some air. I went in the car, just started weeping, mm. literally uncontrollably, because it was the first time I had the thought of, we may, I'm not trying to make you cry, but we may never bring her home. I had, the, it was the first time of like, and I'll be honest with you, it's almost like not us. Mm-hmm. Like everyone knows, you know, babies get sick, but there's mm-hmm. some kind of defense. You're like, well, not, not ours. Mm-hmm. N- not because I'm better than anyone, but it's right. like, well, yeah, I know like kids this, get sick, but that can't happen to us. Can't happen to us, That's especially right, yeah. healthy pregnancy. Did, did you ever, did you mama. ever think though, like, were you like, why is God doing this to me? Because I have made so many sacrifices with my, did you ever think like, why, like, why are you doing this to me, God? I'll like be, I am preaching your yeah. word. I am, mm-hmm. I am being a good servant. Like why? Because mm-hmm. it's almost like you see like the, like, like why you? Yeah. I actually didn't have a thought because I think the more you dig into the Christian faith, you understand everything is an act of grace. Mm-hmm. On the way to the hospital, the verse, I couldn't get out of my head. I was literally just saying it and crying the whole way to the, to the following the ambulance. Were you driving? Yeah, my wife was with Eva in the ambulance. I was oh. following behind. Um, there, there's, a, there's a verse. It basically says, um, naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I'll depart. Mm. The Lord's given, the Lord's taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Basically, mm. everything's an act of grace. Every gift, every talent, my family, the earth, God, everything is a radical gift. And, and the realization was, if I get to be her dad for 50 years or 60 years, that's a gift. Mm. If I get to be her dad for two days, uh. it's, it's a gift. It's all an act of grace. Um. We, something I say every week, and I believe that the Christian message is that we're more sinful and flawed than we'd ever believe, more loved and accepted than we could ever hope. And the idea is that salvation is a radical act of grace. It's nothing I did to deserve it. If, and there's definitely a sense of, God, I feel like I've said yes to you in every way, but I, I knew that he is in control. He did have a plan. It probably wasn't obviously what I would have, selected, mm-hmm. but I, that's when trusting him really kicks in mm-hmm. to say, you're God, I'm not. Not only do I not get to make these calls, but I might not even get to understand them this side of heaven. Um, the moment in which it really hit me was when Helen, I sent her home to rest. The doctor basically said the treatment for this disease that she has, it's called GBS. Um, How many cases have there been in the U.S.? So we actually were talking about this today because we had her six-month follow-up. My understanding is one out of 200 women who, one out of 200 women have the bacteria present. You might have it on your arm right now. And adults, it doesn't bother us. We don't even sneeze at it. But some about an infant, it just chews them up. Um, so it's actually a common thing, but it doesn't affect you or I. Huh. Some about an infant, it just chews them up. So it gave her uh, double pneumonia, sepsis, her heart, her poor heart tried to, re- it's kind of confusing. It, it basically was pumping blood wrong as a, re- as a was response. She, was she born like that or was whatever she got? She basically contracted it right when she was born. Wow. And so within a few hours, it, the bacteria started to go to town mm. and her little body just was trying to figure things out. So, so, so 
the real question. I'm all over the place. I'm no, sorry. No, no, it's I'm just, Yeah, it's if, a lot if, to process. If you guys had another one, do you think you would do an at-home birth or do you think you're so traumatized from everything mm. that you would go back to the hospital? Or are you like, we are done. I am never experiencing that again. I think I was <laughs> so pretty dramatic. much done. But after this, You're I like, think I'm, I'm done, 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 done. done. <laughs> now, if there's a little, if there's a whoopsie, that's a different conversation. Yeah. I probably, if, so, if people have asked me, they want to do a home birth. It was great. Yeah. It, and like home birth had nothing to do with it. Like right. she would have gotten sick in the hospital too. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. We, we would have had to not take an ambulance ride. Right. But like. It's not like an ambulance would have everything, done it. Everything, every, she would have still, everything oh, yeah. would have been the same. She would have still contracted all that. Yeah. So, so yeah, that's I why would, I wanted to ask you that question I because. because I've had some, I think we all have had some trauma. Like we drove to Norfolk today to like do her six month follow-up. Yeah. And even driving, I don't like the, I feel like we throw around the word I'm triggered or I'm traumatized so easily in this culture, mm-hmm. but like definitely driving that path. Oh yeah. It kind of, sure. it brought the chills of like, ooh, because we did it for what, 38 days. Yeah. Just going to see her and. Checking her out. So, so, so I'm I, all over the place. So no, I apologize. No, it's great. So, I, yeah, I want to talk about, no, it was all good. I want to talk about um, like, like during that time, whenever mm-hmm. she was at the hospital, mm-hmm. how, um, how supportive was the church? The church is insane. Yes. Um, the church, um, they did prayer nights. They had a meal train. Um, some, some friends came by and we have one fridge. They said, you need another fridge to store all this food. They bought us a fridge, like a, like a brand new fridge and had it like shipped over. They said, here's three fridges, pick one. Um, they set toys for the kids. Mm. They were babysitting the boys, like taking, they're like mm. taking the boys to like Hunt Club Farm or like the park. Um, but the boys got, you know, Legos and race cars because they didn't have a clue, but they knew mom and dad were gone a lot. So the, the church was beyond supportive. Um, you know, I spoke to a counselor for a long time and I think that's a healthy thing that sometimes we need, but something he asked was like, did you feel pressure to come back to preach? Mm -hmm. I said, no, Mm. not at all. Um, at one point I told Helen, I said, I don't, it's probably two weeks in. I said, and she was, our Eva was still touch and go at this point. I said, I don't know when I can preach again. I said, I don't know when I can get up there and literally face everyone and not fall apart. And Helen said, you, you do what you need to do, Mm -hmm. but she said, um, the devil wants you off that stage oh, yeah. for as long yeah. as possible. So she said, if you need to take six months, I'm with you. Yeah. But I know that you can encourage people. Mm. And so I probably took two or three weeks off, but people were incredible. There are great, there are a lot of Christians who have an attitude, but there are so many <laughs> quiet ones, you know what I mean? Yeah. Who actually I believe are the majority yeah. who are there to love and support and come alongside you. And I'm, I'm thankful for those people. We have a lot of those people here. And and a, an update on her now. How's she doing? You just had your eighth month checkup, or what? Yeah, what, I guess so it was. I think she's was at six, home. She's at home. She's like, yeah, she thriving. She is she good? Is thriving. Yeah, she is developmentally. Amazing. She's where she needs to be. Pretty much everywhere. Um, she's advanced in a few areas, which doesn't make any sense. <laughs> her. They said they do like little baby tests, you know. Mm-hmm. They said her problem-solving skills are advanced. I'm like, I don't <laughs> I know how baby solves problems, but I guess in peekaboo, I don't know. Yeah. They were like, her problem-solving are advanced for a nine-month-old. Like, she's testing at a nine-month-old. I don't know what that means, yeah. but I'll take it. I'm yeah. a proud dad. Yeah. So, yes. Yes. She's a beast. Yeah. She's strong. That's she's awesome. going to be, I can't wait to see mm-hmm. her story mm-hmm. because she, you know, day one, she already had a, a story. So oh, yeah. I think she's going to be a strong yeah. Uh, I think strong she's gonna be lady. a little firecracker for you. Oh yeah, is what she's gonna be oh, a yeah. little pistol. Yeah. I think she is. I can't wait. Do, do you think now, like social media being, you know, you can reach a lot of people through mm-hmm. social media, yes. through YouTube, through the podcasting. Yeah. Do you think that it's imperative for for church communities to now to be able to reach, like mm-hmm. especially our younger demographics, which is, I mean, like they're taking God out of everything now. Mm-hmm. They're taking God out of the schools. Yep. They're taking. Do you? Do you think that in order to reach that demographics of, of the younger generations, that it's imperative for churches to have social media? Yes. I think we have to be where people are. And people spend a lot of time on their phones, obviously. So I think it's a place we need to be. Mm-hmm. Um, no, I think it, it's a new front door. I don't know a single person who's come to our church. I'm sure there's some exceptions who have not looked at our Instagram first. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not even joking. It, or heard a sermon. I'm trying to think. I'm pretty sure you know, I did. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Most people at least look at it or they're like, okay, this is what it feels like. You can watch a sermon. You can hear the podcast. So 
most people who come, you pretty much know what you're stepping into. I, yeah. It's kind of like looking at a menu people before you go to a restaurant. People are still nervous when they come into church, though. They are, and I forget I mean, that. like, even I was nervous coming to the church the first time, even though it's like, I'm probably not going to talk to anybody because I come like five minutes late and then I, you know, <laughs> I blame it on the kids every time. Oh, but you know what I mean? Like, it's a, I'm usually it's a struggle. But still it is. It, it can be intimidating to walk into a church because you don't know what to expect. And um, I forget that. Yeah. And someone also said that the other day. So we have a strong greeting team. Yeah. And I think social media helps it make mm -hmm. be comfortable. Mm -hmm. We have a strong greeting team. You know, you come on Father's Day, there's a bench press competition. We're trying to break a lot of stereotypes and make it I the think that's, most that's welcoming place in town. That is amazing. Um, I have a tough question I that, I, that I think that we, I would love to cover. Giddy um, up. So now obviously with everything going on in the world, yes. um, all of this, you know, LBQ, everything, yeah. how do you, and you know, we have the Bible that says one thing yes. about a man and a woman. Mm -hmm. um, and we're not talking politics guys. This is absolutely nothing to do with politics. No. Man and woman, mm -hmm. and then you have these people that you know you hit, you see the Bible. The Bible is saying mm -hmm. one thing, or is it? Mm -hmm. I don't know. And then you have, you know, these couples mm -hmm. come in. How do you like as a pastor, mm -hmm. um, like even 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 guiding your team through sure. like, leadership? What like can you talk about that yeah. for a little bit? Yeah. So I think the place you have to start yeah. is that um, I don't like using the term outsider, but but I'll I'll use it. People who, I won't use outsider, people who maybe were not expected to like Jesus, mm -hmm. loved him. Mm -hmm. Lepers loved him. Ta the tax collectors were kind of seen as outsiders. They loved him. Prostitutes loved him. They, they loved him. They followed him. They hung on every word. They thought he was great and they adored him. The religious people killed him. Mm. You know, he wasn't killed by these people on the fringe of society who felt like outside. He was killed by the power structure who basically was the Pharisees, the people at the temple. So there was this weird irony of, you know, the people who you, I think today would say, I wouldn't go to church. They love Jesus. They adored him. So I think the if the church is being the church, and, and, and Jesus wasn't soft on what scripture said. He didn't sugarcoat it. He said, I'm coming to basically uphold the law. Mm -hmm. You know, if it's marriage, if it's generosity, whatever it is, he didn't sugarcoat it. He didn't say, well, that's not important. No, he said it's very important, but he loved people in such a way, people flocked to him. They flocked to him and they loved him. And so I think if the church is being the church. Do you get pressured with that question a lot? I do, sometimes. I, I figured you did. And it's okay. It's one of those things. It's a hard question. It is a hard and question. And every culture has a different mm -hmm. question. Mm -hmm. And I think what you have to do is you have to, obviously you can't compromise scripture. You have to stick to that. But I think you have to love people in a way where you can meet them where they are. But I mean, the fact that the fact that, G, that people who disagree with Jesus on their lifestyle adored him, that's just something that I think we have to get back to. Because I would say in this world, that's not so much the case. I think people either say you're on this side or that side. You either agree with me and love me or disagree with me and hate me. And that dynamic did not exist in Jesus' day. He just, people, a lot of people disagree with him, but they loved him. You know what I mean? And I think we have to get back to that. We have to be known for our love. Um, Jesus basically said, and I should pull up the Bible here, but basically the way I want the world to know you're my followers is by your love. And sometimes love is serving. Sometimes it's telling someone a hard truth. Love doesn't mean I'm gonna look past some things in your life and just ignore it. Sometimes the, the love people need is a really hard conversation and a really hard truth. And parents know that, business owners know that, but you know, he was loving enough to, um, to, to, to live that way and have those conversations. But that's a good question. It's a hard one. Mm -hmm. do, you, do you ever feel pressure? I know that you talk about, you're like, I'm not perfect all the time, but do you feel like, because do you feel like a lot of people look at you and you're like, oh, Pastor T is like perfect? Yeah, they do. And it's annoying. Is it? Yeah, it's super annoying. Because I always wondered how that like being a pastor, like, you know, people are like, oh, you have, like, I have a lot of eyes on me for social oh, media. Yeah, oh, believe me, people are waiting oh, yeah. for me to mess up. Yeah. Oh, they are waiting. They are just waiting for a mess up. But has there been anything where there's been something and people have come at you? Oh my gosh, all the time. Yeah. And, and but but the the thing is, is like yeah. people people love they love mm -hmm. to see you mess up. Oh yeah, they love. They're just waiting. Mm -hmm. But everything within me, you just cannot focus on the negativity. You cannot <laughs> yeah. focus on the people. That's true. Who you can't put your energy into no. that. 
No, no, no. Because then it's going to eat you alive. Yeah. Um, Craig Rochelle said, he's a pastor in actually in Oklahoma. I love him. Yeah. I listen to his podcast oh, yeah. all the time. He's great. He, so, okay. Are we talking about, are we going to like truly nerd out here? Oh, nerd, I got nerd it. out on me. Okay. I have a, a confession. Come on. Pastor, I have a confession. Come so on. when I run, mm-hmm. I listen to his podcast. You're just as nerdy as me. <laughs> I know. It, the truth, Whenever you said that, I was like, oh my out. gosh. I usually his leadership listen to podcasts. Podcast. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And yeah, I listen great. to The Ascent too. Yeah. I, I love, love it. it. Yeah. That's it's what I it's do. Just, it's just, I either listen to podcasts mm-hmm. or I just don't listen to anything. I'm mm-hmm. always running with my canines. Yeah. And, um, you know, I just, I always, every opportunity that mm-hmm. I have, I like to, to fill myself with just like positive, encouraging stuff. Me too. And there's great leadership stuff there too. Oh, yeah. And I think a lot of, um, everything that I love, you are, um, you are a leader. And, and one of the reasons why I like you so much is mm-hmm. how you've been able to curate this team mm-hmm. and, you. and you're, you're a creator, you're an artist, mm-hmm. everything that, that has, um, came out and transpired of Ascent Church mm-hmm. has, has been because of just the creative vision that you have had. Thank you, sweetie. For the community mm-hmm. and and for your team. Thank you. And, and That's you so kind that. of you. Well, yeah, I mean, I mean it. It's awesome. It's the awesome. best thing I've ever heard him say. And he highly recommend his, well, his sermons are great too, but his leadership podcast is my favorite. It's like 20 minutes. Yeah. It's nothing, it's not three hours. It's One great. One time a month. Gosh, what his You have to wait every quote, Thursday. I know. It's like first Thursday like, of every on, month. <laughs> is, um, People would rather follow a leader that's always real rather than a leader that's always right. And that is what I hold on to. So, you know, I think people come to church and they expect me to, you know, you have something, oh, he's going to say I'm perfect, you know, but like telling stories of like, I failed with my wife. I failed with my parenting. I was frustrated at so-and-so. I think that helps people lean in. Do you know why people like you so much? It's because you're real. It's exactly (laughs) what you said. Thank you. (laughs) It's because you're real. I think it helps people connect that, you know, I'm not some... You know, pastors are not supposed to be, well, we're, we were chosen because we're better or we're holier. And God says he picked the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. Like mm. there, there's no sense of, oh, I'm going to pick the, I had a stutter my whole life, mm. probably 15 years. I went to speech classes, had surgery, which is it's a whole different story. But like God picking someone who had a stutter to even speak here, to have a podcast, to, to preach, it, it's all about him and his glory and I really think it's a testimony of if I can do this through this guy who couldn't even answer the phone, imagine what I could do through you. Oh. I think that's what it's about. It's mm-hmm. not, oh, he's better. It's no, he's not better. There's nothing special about him. But if you give your life to God, he can do something amazing. It's about his power and his glory, not ours. Mm-hmm. Mm. I love that. This coffee's delicious, by the way. Yeah. So um, good. I had another question that I was going to ask you. I love um, it. Oh, I know what I wanted to talk yeah. to you about. Okay. And then if you have any questions, yes. um, uh, I wanted to ask you like pe- people mm-hmm. who were in my situation, yeah. like how, like, what would you recommend somebody who's mm-hmm. listening to this is like, wow, I really, I, I have a, a gap. Like I need to yeah. feel this void. I need to find a mm-hmm. church family. Yeah. Maybe they're in, you know, New Mexico, mm-hmm. Nevada, and they're, they're nowhere close to us. Yeah. How, how, how would you recommend like finding a church family, like within their community, what are some things yeah. that like, how do you, how do you know that a church is the right fit for you? It's a great question. It's a really good question. Um, I actually think what's great. And we kind of touched on this. It's actually, I feel like never been easier to figure that out, which is, which is a good thing. I think you used to have to go and good Lord, maybe it's an hour, maybe it's four hours and mm. to even try it. But nowadays, um, obviously the, uh, you know, YouTube podcasts are great, but being a part of a community is what it's all about. Um, it, it really is. I would just search, I would search church, local Bible believing, um, anything like that. And then I would look at their YouTube. Mm. You, you get a feeling, you know, mm-hmm. and I, I don't believe it's a good church, bad church, but it's like, okay, these are my people exactly. or yeah. these aren't right. for me. Yeah. But no, I think being a part of community is huge and so important for all of us, for our growth. I have a final question to ask you. Giddy up. What is the legacy Mm. that Pastor T wants to Mm -hmm. leave behind? I, first and foremost, um, being a great husband and a great father. If my wife and kids, through our life, if my kids grow up looking at the church as that's where dad really cared about or that's where he really spent my time, I was an utter failure. If they... The, the best thing I could give them is to love God, know he has a plan for them. Every night before bed, I kiss him, I hug him, I read him a story, and I say, God loves you, he has a plan for you, I'm proud to be your daddy. Every night. 
if I can leave, if I can give them that or model that, that'll be the greatest legacy that, that I could give. I think it starts as an outpouring of that. Um, if I'm the best pastor and I'm going to conferences and everyone's listening to the podcast and blah, 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 that's great. But if, if, if that's like in the public eye, but my wife doesn't respect me and my kids don't want to spend time with me, I, I don't, I think it's a terrible tragedy. So I think starting at home, as hard as it is, because I love to work. I'm, I'm sure you're the same way. It's your, yeah. your passion. It's easy to work. I want to work. There's always something to do, something to grow in. Um, but I think starting at home, my, my legacy would be creating a church. Um, what we say is we want those who are far from God to rise to new life in Christ. That's our heart, to create a place that exists beyond me for military families, young families, people who are new to town, who are looking for a church, but even that person who's never been. I literally was meeting with a guy downstairs at your coffee shop, brand new to church, mm. brand new. And he was telling me he's terrified to come in. And to see God start to work, and he had never been. He didn't know anything. And I love that. I love that he's like, who's God? How do I read the Bible? How do I pray? I don't even know how to pray. I love that. Mm -hmm. to, cre to create a place where people can do that um, beyond me. It's as I, you know, I'm not going to be in the seat forever. But to be at a place that exists beyond me, that I think will bring God a lot of glory. Mm. That's awesome. Well, I, I, I do want to encourage anybody who's listening to this podcast, if you want to come on and be a part of the church that I go to, Ascent Church, it is on YouTube. It's like 10 a.m., 9 a.m. every— Yeah, or, 9, and then it streams all day, mm -hmm. and you can subscribe on YouTube, Ascent mm -hmm. Church, or Spotify, or Apple Podcasts. Is, it's all is there. the podcast the sermon also, or is it different? It is. Okay. We are toying with the idea of adding more, mm. something like this, mm -hmm. but right now, mm. where we're at, it's it's the it's the sermon. Mm. I love that. Which is great. Yeah. So I'm thankful. So you guys can join. And what out. is what is the uh, the YouTube? It's just a sit church. Yeah. That's where. You, yeah. Yeah. Church. So I watch it online sometimes, guys, and it's awesome. But if you're if you're local here in Virginia Beach, come. I invite all of you guys to come out and to experience church with me. I promise you're gonna love it. You're gonna love <laughs> Pastor T because he so also. I, I always feel like I'm the only one that gets these, but you do throw out fitness puns oh, in the, the sermon, oh, and I'm yeah. like, I totally know what he's talking <laughs> about now. Like, thank you. Yeah. Just put it out there. Like, it. I got it. <laughs> got that. Connect. And Anyways, thank you guys so much to listen, for listening to us on the Reborn Podcast with Ironclad. We certainly appreciate it. If you got any value or if you want to share this podcast, I just want to highly encourage you to, to put it on your story, to post the link, to leave us a review on the Apple Podcast. And thank you again so much for uh, the support uh, along the journey and the love. And we will catch you guys next week. Bye.